All right, so Galatians chapter 1, let's pray. I want to, as we go through chapter 1, we're just going to highlight the things that we've talked about before. We're going to hit on the things that I believe that are most important. But number 1, it says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God, the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Now, if you get a chance, uh, we won't do it today, but for those of you who don't know about Paul's life, go back to Acts chapter 9 and read it. Uh, not right now, please. But uh, if you, most of you know, because looking around, most of you are regulars, is in Acts chapter 9, we see the conversion or the transformation of a man's life. Where Saul, who was persecuting the church, uh, was on this road to Damascus to continue that process of persecuting the church. And God stopped him, blinded him, and asked him a question, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? And a goad, you guys, was a, a, a sharp stick, a prodding stick that they would use to get the oxen and stuff to move. And he's like, why are you not listening when I've been trying to get your attention? And so this man's life was transformed. And as it was transformed, he didn't go directly now to uh, people to get uh, taught the Bible and things like that. He was there and this process of him just studying God, studying God's word and stuff and, and God revealing himself to Paul. Again, now, Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, was an educated man, educated under a man named Gamaliel. He was well-known in the community. He was a Jewish leader, all these things. So this guy w wasn't, uh, well, he was very educated and well-known. And then as you guys know the story, the Lord says, I'm going to show him all the things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so God uses Paul in a very powerful way. The churches here in Galatia where churches in the region were during Paul's first missionary journey. And as he's talking to them, he's going to talk to them about the difference, if you would, or dealing with the issue of the law and grace, the law and faith. See, the, the issue was, was God transformed his life, and, but what was happening was these men named the Judaizers were coming in after him and saying, listen, Paul's been preaching this incredible message of faith. They're like, that's not good enough. You cannot simply have a relationship with God by faith. It has to be, must be by works also. And so Paul's going to combat that in this letter. But as he's writing, he, the first thing he's going to say, he says in verse 1, he says, I want you to understand that my authority by which I speak to you is on behalf of the fact that God has put me in this place. Now, it's, it sounds powerful, right? But here's... Think about it this way, because it says that these Judaizers are coming in and, and, and many were changing, being deceived, and they were coming in even perverting the gospel. So what if, uh, let's just say Jordan was Paul and he, he was preaching the gospel and he was telling everybody uh, in, in this region like about faith and all this other stuff. And then I come in and I go, and Jordan's like, you know, the authority by which I speak is God-given, and I'm an uh, apostle, a messenger, a sin by God, all this other stuff, and God has, and here's my testimony, and here's God's word, and all that other stuff, right? And I'm going, um, 
come on. You think that you can break the traditions of Judaism? You actually think that it's simply by faith that he's going to come in and say that uh, you don't have to go through this ceremonial process and circumcision and this thing and that thing. And every, this is all the things everybody knew, right? And so can't you see how easy it would be to say, wait a minute, Paul's gone crazy. Paul's gone, like, why would I follow this guy? So they were believing the message because they knew who Jesus was. But in their head now, this doubt came in, this doubt about who Paul was and his conversion and all that stuff. Though they knew who he was, they know the story about Jesus. But if you would, look at verse 4. At verse 4, what Paul's going to do, this is a very, very powerful way to start this letter. What he's saying is this. I want you to read it in verse 4. Actually, let's read it out loud. I will. Uh, it says, verse 3 and 4, Grace to you and peace from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, listen, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever uh, and, and ever. Amen. So, as you read verse 4, if you would look at it again real quick in your page, what is your role in verse 4? Your role, my role, their role during that time, the church of Galatia. If you say, my role is to do this, then you need to burn that book that you have, and we have Bibles up there because the book you're looking at isn't the Bible, and it's not accurate. It says that He did these things, and we are delivered because of Him. It's important that we understand this because this is exactly the way Paul meant to start out to the church in Galatia because they were being told that if you do these things also, then God will uh, show favor to you. You'll be right with God. But unless you do those things, you're not. And Paul says, wait a minute. If our works matter, then we get the credit. But it isn't our works that matter because, listen, I, I was sharing this last service. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand or whatever, but I, some of you, this has happened. You've done something and you've lost trust in, from your parents or whoever, you know, somebody. Then you do things and you gain trust and things are smooth again. And then you do something again and you lose trust. I believe that a lot of people look at God the same way like a parent. And what I mean by that is, hey, we feel like God's like, hey, good boy. You've been such a good boy this week. You've been a great young lady. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm going to take you out to frozen yogurt and you know what? You're going to go to heaven. But then next week, God knows all the filth that has been said and done in your mind. God knows the things that you've thought and seen. And uh, matter of fact, God knows the things that you've done that nobody else knows. And all of a sudden you're like, aha, remember that time when I took you to yogurt and I told you you're going to heaven? Yeah, that's out the door. You're not going to heaven anymore. You've lost it. 
And you're like, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm sorry, God, I, I will never do that again. And then you're good for a week. And he's like, I love you. You've been such a great guy this week. You've been such a great young lady. And, you know, it sounds silly, but people view God like that, right? I've seen it. I've had conversations about that with people. They view God like that. He loves me, right? That, that flower thing. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And it's like what Paul is trying to get across is he loves you. He will deliver you. And it's all because of his love, not because of your actions yet. This is powerful for us still today. Why? Because when we're getting into the next passage, if you would, let's read verse 6. This is a marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the, uh, the gospel of Christ. When it speaks of perverting the gospel of Christ, they are turning you around. In other words, let me ask you a question. I have noticed this through social media in, in our society. More people are prone to post things about what's going on in our society with racism, with things and justice and not justice and all these other things that they are spewing out, if you would, copying and pasting both in the church and not the church, both in Christians and not Christians, things that other people say, things that other people believe. And they're like, oh, this is how I think. And it's like, I'm going to post this. And then somebody goes, you know, that wasn't true. <laughs> or whatever. And you're like, ah, oh, wait, what? And we do things like this. And it's interesting to me because I've been seeing a lot of this, even from people who have been at one time in the church, or some still in the church. And this passage just drives home exactly what it's saying because it says notice verse 6 I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ so you've experienced Christ you've accepted his love and his grace and his mercy you you said I believe and I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to learn about God and all this other stuff and then somebody comes in and says oh yeah you call yourself a Christian well, look at how Christians are. If, because Christians, all they care about is this thing and that thing and all lives matter. And they don't care about black lives matter. And they don't care about this and they don't care about that. And all of a sudden there's doubt. And all of a sudden these things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden our minds are changed and transformed. And one of the things we're going to talk about on Wednesday nights is defining terms. Because people will say, you don't have love. You call yourself a Christian, and yet you don't love, and all you do is hate and all this other stuff. And yet, but again, I think defining what love is is an important thing. I've discovered, you know, today's Father's Day, right? So we're thinking about dads. And I've discovered this. My parents who still love me, who have loved me, loved me, even to the point at times of spanking me, <laughs> letting me know, taking things away from me, disciplining me, all these other things, because they loved me, not because they didn't love me. They weren't, they didn't hate me. 
they actually loved me, so they disciplined me, and they gave me structure, they gave me these things that were important in my life. That was part of the love. There were places I wanted to go, and they said no. There were things I wanted to do, and they said no. And yet, at the same time, there were things I wanted to do, and they said yes, and, and, and all that. So, but they did it because they loved me. And one of the things is this. People will tell you, and when I say you, I mean us slash people, that God is this way and God's not that way and all that stuff. And he goes, why are you guys here in Galatia, the church region there of Galatia, why are you guys buying into something when you believed who Jesus is, but now you don't? Why is it that you change so fast? Maybe it's because this relationship with God that you say you have, you really don't have. Why? Because all you do is spew, all you do is speak forth the things that you've heard, never really planting it in and letting that seed grow within you, and that you walk away going, this is what I believe. What do I mean? When I first became a Christian, as most of you know, I was your age in high school, and I didn't, I, I didn't have a Bible at first, and then I got one, a student life application Bible. It was great, and I would bring it to church and stuff, but I, I actually brought my Bible to church every week. But I didn't use it, except for at youth group. I didn't, I didn't read it during the week. I didn't read it on the weekends. I didn't read it at all, not, not for a little while. I believed it. I didn't know what it said, but I believed it. Does that make sense? Doesn't make sense, but it does, right? Does it, right? I didn't, I didn't read it, didn't know what it said, but I believed it because I was told to believe it, and I believed it, and I'm like, okay, if this is God's Word, cool. And so God's Word to me was everything my youth pastor said, was everything my friend Billy said, it was everything that I, my pastor said. It, it, that's God's Word. So I'm, I'm now spewing out, and I'm saying I believe everything that these guys said. For a year or two, get into college. I'm at a different, I'm at Mount Sac my freshman year. Billy's at Claremont McKenna, and, and things are changing. His dad moved up to another church. I'm in a different church. I don't have the relationship with the same pastor like I did before. And so now I'm like trying to figure this out. I had Billy before, and he's not right by my side anymore. And I have to ask myself, again, my parents weren't walking with the Lord yet and stuff. And so I had to ask myself, is, I had to go off of what I remembered. I had to think about what I was taught. And I, then I had to start getting into the Bible myself and think, do I believe this? And, and all of a sudden, I, I likened it to this. For those of you who've ever had... An experience. See, Paul had this amazing encounter with God in Acts chapter 9. You can read it for yourself when you get a chance if you haven't. Have you had an amazing encounter with God ever? I have. I mean, between camps, between times at church services and different things where I'm like, what? God just speaking into my life. God just revealing himself in a heavy way. And it's powerful. And it becomes so much more real to you. It becomes so much more real to you. You know, I was liking it to last service. I was talking about one of my dreams. So 
uh, one of the things we've been doing is we're preparing a, a, a week-long series on what missions is. And so we've been recording a bunch of videos uh, to prepare for you guys coming up on, on missions. And one of my dream places, I don't know, you guys ever have a dream place? You wish one place, one place, maybe even specific, like I always want to travel to is, well, for me, it was Costa Rica. I say was because now I've been to Costa Rica 2.1 times. <laughs> so I went there twice to do ministry, and we landed there once, ran to a, our other plane and <laughs> to transfer uh, from uh, was that Peru? Uh, from Peru to Costa Rica and then home. And so uh, I've only been to Costa Rica. So that was the point one. So like literally never left the airport. We landed and our, our plane was like boarding and everybody was on the plane but us. And we literally had to run. Luckily, it was like the same terminal just down a little bit. And uh, that was crazy. But and I'm running through the airport. That was my first time in Costa Rica. And I'm running through the airport and I'm taking pictures of all the signs that say Costa Rica. And I'm like, I'm in Costa Rica. And I'm like, I don't have time to shop. I don't have time to look at anything. I'm just looking at the walls going, what? But then our first trip to Costa Rica, we worked at a camp called La Montana. And for those of you who've ever traveled and you get off a plane, maybe to Hawaii or you've been somewhere. When I landed in Costa Rica, I was like, we're in Costa Rica. It's kind of exciting, right? And then you go outside. Because what I mean by that is like, I've seen pictures of Costa Rica before this, all these, you know, but it's like now I'm in Costa Rica and I can smell the air and I could see and I can, I'm experiencing Costa Rica. And so when I get home and everything else, I could tell you guys all about Costa Rica, what it was like. Um, the first trip was pretty crazy because we were in the rainforest and there was moths about this big. No exaggeration. I have pictures. There was tarantulas eating moths. The, the tarantulas were like this big and the bugs were just on steroids. The, the humidity and stuff was just crazy and uh, I'd go back in a heartbeat. But it, it was just, it was, it was nuts. But when you experience it for yourself, I could tell you about it. But I could tell you about it not because I heard about Costa Rica, not because I've had people tell me about Costa Rica, but because I've been to Costa Rica now t twice. And I could tell you about it. And I could tell you firsthand about Costa Rica, at least in my experience. Now, what Paul's saying is this. He goes, I had an experience, I had an encounter with the Lord that is like no other. Let's keep reading and I'll explain. So he says in verse 8 9, he says, listen, if anybody preaches another gospel, let him be accursed or let him be banned without hope. Let him be cast into utter darkness. But verse 11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which I preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, uh, how I pers persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. And he says, uh, uh, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Notice verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I do not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but went to Arabia returned to Damascus. And so I want to ask you guys a question. 
The question is, is how much of your relationship with God is because you and God have had this incredible contact together? And how much of it is simply because you've heard it from me or Josh or Pastor David? Does this make sense? How much of it is because Paul said, listen, I didn't go to the apostles, to the leaders in the church in my time. I didn't go to them for, them, for me to sit and take notes and, and say, oh, he said this. Oh, oh. oh, yeah. What was that verse again? Oh, oh. No, he's like, I was in it myself. I'm diving in and the Lord's speaking to me. By the way, take notes. It's good. Go back. and. But he, he's saying, listen. God spoke to me directly. God revealed himself to me directly. And I didn't have to go straight to the pastor and things like this. If you're here last week, I left you with a question. The question was, if you weren't here, it's simple. How should I respond to, and then leave that line blank, question mark, and keep that, write that question down, and keep that in front of you always. Because here's what we talked about is, some people would say, well, what would Jesus do? And your answer might be this, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> That's a good, good response. Yet here's the thing, Jesus, before he left earth, he says, hey guys, showing you an example. Showing you an example how to wash feet, how to serve people. I've shown you an example of what compassion's like, what it means to serve, what it means to lead. I've shown you an example. Now I'm out, you lead. You lead. You go do what I taught you to do. You go serve the way I taught you to serve. You go do these things. So the question that I asked you last week is, how should I respond to, what I mean by leaving it blank is, when somebody comes up to me and asks me a question about race, how should I respond to it? What, what have I learned in studying the Bible? When somebody comes up and asks me about dating and relationships, how should I respond to it? When I think about a career, how should I respond to it? All these things. And so it's more than just, it's what would Jesus do? But also it's the example that he left. It's the stories that he's left for us and everything else. When we compile the scriptures and he says, this is how he ministered. These are the stories he left for us. And so based off of this, I'm going to make the best educated guess I can for my future or for the situation I'm in. See, what happens, what I see more and more nowadays is people are like, on the church side, if you would, on the Christian side, is like, ha-ha, Fox News, click, yep, I like it. Oh, I'm going to post that. Yeah, because I'm a Christian and Fox News and this person and that person. And oh, you know what? Here's this speaker. And I haven't even heard what he said, but I'm going to post it. And I'm going to do this because, you know, that's what Christians. And then on the, the people that aren't Christians, they do exactly the same thing. But the question is for you and I, what are we supposed to do? And if you don't know, it's because you're not diving in and seeing this impact, this relationship that God has with His people. You know, it's interesting. I, I've been reading through the one-year Bible again, and it, 
I don't know, like, I'm not really an Old Testament guy, like, diving in, and yet the more I've been reading it, I'm like, it's pretty crazy. The crazy part about the Old Testament, over and over you see, you see what happens when somebody is obedient to God, and you see what happens when somebody is disobedient to God. But it's crazy because you'll have a king, let's say, that's obedient to God and he's following God's ways and God's blessing his kingdom. And then when you see he dies and his son takes over and his son's like, I'm a peace out, man. Like, I'm not going to follow God. And all of a sudden you see what happens to the kingdom. You see what happens to all the people. You see what happens. It's just destruction everywhere. And, and then sometimes the next son or the next leader is like, I'll follow God, but I'm not going to tear down the high places. And so there's kind of a blessing, and yet there's still strongholds. There's still things. And it's like all this because you factor God out. And if we read it for what it is, and you see how often they factored God out, and what happened, you're like, it's not worth factoring God out. Because so many people get affected by when one person, especially somebody in leadership, factors God out. And so for us, when we look at this, I love the fact that Paul is saying to the church, churches, excuse me, in the Galatian region, he's like, I didn't immediately go up to Jerusalem to the church leadership and have them teach me. I spent time with the Lord, and I spent quality time with the Lord, and He showed me, and He says, uh, verse 16, to reveal a son in me that I might preach Him. The reason why Paul can preach Him, the Lord, because he knew Him, because he had this encounter with Him that was so real and so deep that it wasn't something that, it, listen, how many of you know it's easy to repeat somebody until you're asked another question. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's easy to repeat somebody until you're asked a question that wasn't talked about. You know, so you might take my study, for example, and somebody's asking you a question about the Bible, and you're like, oh yeah, well, we're saved by faith and not grace and stuff. Oh yeah, but what about this? And you're like, oh, Dustin, man didn't mention that oh no like what am I supposed to you, you following with me and, and so you're kind of stuck right you're kind of trapped you're feeling like I don't have the answer because he didn't give that answer to that one it's kind of like math what do I mean by that math problems that are examples in the book are never like the rest of the questions right you know what I'm talking about they're never like the rest of the questions you're like wait a minute the samples aren't like this and so, but here's the thing, you're able to do it if you put it all together. And you look at everything that you've learned up until that point. Well, what Paul's trying to get across is, you've been taught the gospel, you've been taught about faith, you've been taught about grace, you've been taught these things, and yet you're turning away to the law? You're turning away to follow rituals. You're turning away because, and these guys are putting you in bondage. These guys are holding you back. And he gives his testimony and he says in verse 18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James. Now concerning the things which I write to you, and I indeed before God, I, I do not lie. 
Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was known by face to the churches of Judea, which are, uh, were in Christ. But notice verse th 23 and 24. But they were hearing only, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorify God in me. What is he saying? They knew of me, though they didn't know me. And now they're seeing me and seeing this transformation. <coughs> Excuse me. The transformation came because the relationship with the Lord was real. It wasn't simply something he heard and he's spewing out repeatedly because he's heard that many years. Why is this so important? Well, because before we close, I want to end with the fact that I believe it's important for you guys because looking around, most of you are, have grown up in the church. Not all of you, but most of you. And growing up in the church, as a high schooler, you get to an age where you either become more excited about God or you become super stagnant. I've seen it. I've been a youth pastor a long time, and this is how it works. First of all, the Bible is clear that even Jesus, after doing a lot of ministry, needed to get away to pray and get refreshed, right? So we all need that. But the thing is, is if we're not diving into the Word, if we're not like letting God speak into our lives, then all we're going to do is continue to spew out the old things, the things that we say we believe, and we probably do. But we don't understand them again I, I said I believe the Bible but don't ask me about it because <laughs> I didn't know it right does that make sense like that's how I was when I was your guys' age I believe the Bible I just didn't know it and, and so don't ask me about it I couldn't tell you I could tell you that Jesus died for my sins and those the basics because I knew those things but I didn't know much more And what Paul's saying is God showed himself so real to me. And that's what continually transformed my life. And I'm speaking by the authority that God's given to me to speak into your lives. And as I'm speaking that with that authority, I want you to know that I love you and I care for you. So I have to speak very bluntly. And I want you to be careful because these Judaizers, these false teachers are going to come in and try to give you another gospel, which isn't really another gospel because there's no other gospel, but they're trying to distort or pervert the truth. What's the truth? We're saved by grace through faith and not of our works. It's He, verse 4, who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil age. Listen, can I remind you, if that verse was so powerful to be spoken then, I believe it's powerful to be spoken today. I believe we're still living in an evil age, and I believe that if we keep our eyes fixed on Him, the author and the finish of our faith, we're going to be okay. What do I mean? It doesn't mean life's going to be easy. I've always told you guys, like, never, never think like life's easy and piece of cake. Not at all, never will be. 
Not this side of heaven. I don't believe it will. But the Bible says that God will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. He tells us to fix our eyes on Him. He says to think on these things, Philippians 4. Uh, you know, He's reminded us so often that if we set our eyes on, on the Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith, if we understand that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, in Hebrews it talks about that, if we take the scriptures and apply them to our lives, it's powerful. So my question to you this morning is, are you doing that? Are you allowing God to speak into your life, to have this encounter with you, the way Paul had this encounter with the Lord, where, you know, all of a sudden, it's not, it would be like you going tomorrow and saying, Mom, Dad, i got to show you something, i got to tell you something. Oh, did you learn that from Dustin yesterday at church? No, like I was reading the Bible myself and God was showing this to me. And, like, and they're like, what? And all of a sudden, it's so much more real and so much deeper. And you can talk about it firsthand. And you could talk about how the Lord has ministered to you firsthand and not something that you simply had taken notes from me or from Josh or Pastor or whatever and just repeated those notes. Because if any of you are like me, whenever I took a test, I studied for the test not to know the information. Does that make sense? Like I never studied to know that information I only wanted to know it long enough to take the test and pass the test. Not to be like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to study this because it's so fun. No, like, I never thought like that in school. Like, my idea was, what's on the test? Study that. Just be ready for the test and try to get a good grade on the test, and then I'm done. Once the test is done, that was a cool thing, right? Tests were normally Fridays. Right? Or if you had a test on Thursday, Friday is like a free day. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, why try? I don't care if we're starting a new chapter today. Like, I had a test yesterday, and it's Friday. I'm done. Right? You know what I'm talking about? And, and so this is the idea is going, what? but wait a minute. This information, this information is key. You need to know this. If you knew and understand truly what God has done for you, not in a way that I've said, but that you've experienced. When life comes and throws you a curveball, when people come in and say, oh yeah, well Christianity is, and the church is, or the church isn't, and you should, and how could you call yourself a Christian if, and so many other things that we see nowadays through social media and stuff, and maybe with your friends, and you can go, wait a minute, Hold up. Maybe you're right. Maybe some Christians are wrong, but God's not wrong. Because what I've read in the scriptures and what I see of Jesus is this. Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus let a, a harlot wash his feet. Like Jesus like loved people that were unlovable. Jesus reached out and saw needs and filled those needs. Jesus made people feel 
welcomed, and yet at the same time, they weren't allowed to continue in sin in His presence. He challenged them to not continue in sin, and their lives would be transformed by His love, His grace, and mercy. That's love. He spoke the truth into their lives, but He wasn't afraid to be around them. Which is interesting because I think sometimes what happens in the church is we, we, you know, and I get it as a parent, like I have kids, right? So Christians like to get in the Christian bubble and we're like, we're Christians. We're going to hang out with Christians. We're not going to talk to non-Christians. We're going to be in a Christian bubble and, and it's Halloween. So we're going to lock ourselves indoors because there's evil outside and all this other stuff. And I know Christians like that. I don't know if you do. never read in the scriptures of that happening. What I read in the scriptures, it says, listen, you're not of this world anymore. Which means is you need to have a heavenly mindset. And if you have a heavenly mindset, then you want people to go with you or have that same mindset. So go out where people don't have that mindset and get them to get that mindset. How do we do that? Well, that's kind of what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights right now is, well, here's a good starting place is, well, what is their mindset? What do you believe? And how did you come to that belief? Where do you stand? And how come you stand on that? And those simple questions really make people start thinking. Hopefully it even makes you think. I don't want you just to stand on the fact that I'm a Christian because I go to Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley. I want you to be a Christian because he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Because the Lord loves you and he's called you. And the Bible says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that God's desire is that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. God's desire is for you and I to know His love. And then what we're going to see as we go through the book of Galatians is this. It's God's work for us, to us, that we receive by faith, that we trust in Him, and then we our lives are changed, and when our lives are changed, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says we're new creations in Christ, and if we're a new creation in Christ, I'm going to act differently. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to think differently. And that's where our actions come in. Does that make sense? I'm going to act differently. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to live differently because I'm a new creation in Christ. I don't think the same way I used to think. How did I used to think? Selfishly, just about the here and now. Um, it was all about me. How can I get for myself? Whatever. And then all of a sudden, God said, I want you to see what it's like to die to yourself. I want you to live for me. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And when we come to the realization of that, and then... It's things like this. I originally wanted to go to Costa Rica to surf. I didn't go to Costa Rica to surf, neither one of the 2.1 times. <laughs> but my second time, we stayed about two blocks from the beach or so. 
we went to the beach almost every day and um, the Tamarindo and uh, absolutely beautiful um, crazy because the weather would be like super sunny and hot and all of a sudden the clouds would come in and this thunder and lightning storm and they had told us stories about people actually had died from lightning they were playing in the ocean lightning hits the water and, and so when the lightning came we got out or whatever but it was still hot so like we just walked back home and then uh, there was times we're in the pool and and we're you know the thunder and lightning had started and we're like dude it's like rattling the the buildings and the everything else and then all of a sudden we're like ah oh, we're probably getting close to getting out and you could see the lightning i mean it's just beautiful and the thunder is just literally sounds like it's over your head and uh and then all of a sudden there was this lightning and all of a sudden we all jumped out of the pool we're like okay it's time to get out for now you know and um but absolutely beautiful the culture the land the people um, the ministry that we were able to do there the bugs not so much fun but I mean the bugs are like I said they're on steroids there I don't know man they just everywhere we went there's bigger bugs but Costa Rica was beautiful and I had a dream of going and I've been twice And before I was a Christian, I never flew in a plane. I never really traveled. It was always a dream. And then one day I said, God, here I am, send me. What that means, I don't know. What that looks like, I don't know. Now I could look back and tell you what that means and what that looks like. But it started with this change, transform life when I was your age. Paul's trying to get across to the church. Be careful. Because people are trying to tell you how to live and how you should think. And he goes, but you already know. And they're distracting from the truth when you already know. So my question to you as I close, do you actually already know? And if so, do not let somebody distract you from the truth. If you don't know, it's found in God's Word. That He loves you, He gave Himself for you, that you would follow Him, and He will teach you what that means and what that looks like.